Mark your calendar. It's happening this Saturday. Join us this Saturday to learn the art of trap new to return, a powerful way to transform the lives of community cats. Brought to you by Community Cats Podcast and Neighborhood Cats. This session is for anyone who wants to turn their passion for cats into action. Whether you're a seasoned caretaker or just starting out, there's something for everyone to learn. Don't wait. Reserve your spot now at communitycatspodcast.com slash get TNR certified. You've tuned in to the Community Cats Podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats Podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we are speaking with Melody Kwan, otherwise known as Mellow Cat. Melody has been known as the girl with 10 cats in an apartment that is more organized than most people's one to two cat households. This inspired Mellowcat educate cat parents on the importance of optimizing their workflow and setting themselves up for success while caring for their cats. Mellowcat has been the go-to person when people come across cats and animals in need of assistance, including rehoming, fostering, and adopting, as well as helping cat parents redesign their lifestyle to achieve harmony with their cats. I'd like to welcome Melocat to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. Good seeing you again, Stacey. I know, I know. It's great. I'm so, I love the whole virtual thing now because I have met so many incredible friends all around the country. And to just share with our listeners, you are located in Hong Kong and you are, you know, an incredibly passionate person with regards to cats. But, you know, how did it all get started? How did you get to be so passionate about cats? Well, the thing is, is I think with a lot of, you know, animal lovers, it started at a pretty young age, but except for, I think I was more well-known in the past 10 years because that's when my work was starting to pick up a little bit and I can afford more cat. Before, I think I was really restricted by the financial side of things when I was still young. And when work got better, I was like, you know what? I can actually do more. And the more I got, the bigger my house got. And the more I kind of souped up my apartment. Because, as you said, people know me as a lady with 10 cats. But not only that, um, because in Hong Kong, the houses or the apartments are actually not that big. So to make everything work, it's not by fluke. And I think people kind of caught up on that. So they just call me up for things that aren't even something that is not something that I can fix. For example, someone would call my house line. Yes, I have a house line <laughs> at 4 a.m. And they said their dog swallowed glass and they asked me what I should do. And I'm like, well, why did you call me? They're like, oh, someone gave us like someone gave us your number. I'm like at four in the morning. They're like, yeah. And I'm like, why did you think I can do something about it? Oh, well, you're the lady with 10 cats, right? So that's how it kind of picked up over the years. And I help, like, I think since about five or six years ago, it turned into pretty much like a side business that I help people solve cat problems. So things that are not vet related and things that are not specialized behaviorist related, it's kind of like lifestyle retweaking, doing our kind of due diligence, kind of getting a good SOP standard operating procedure going on at home and just setting up house for success. I help people with that stage of cat care and uh, things have been pretty good. 
What do you find are the most frequent questions that you get from folks? Well, the top three in no particular order is, I can't even juggle one cat. How is it possible that I do two? And I try to convince them that two is usually easier than one. That's, that's, the, that's one of them. The other one is, oh, my house is so small. I'm not sure if I can put in, in another fur buddy. And this third one is generally, don't all cats fight when they meet each other? How come yours don't fight? Um, it doesn't make any sense. So that's the top three. Wow. Well, and there's a lot of you know information there, a lot of uh, feline behavior information and guidance that that is given in the process of of it, within those questions. And I and I know you have a a show, and I know you have been in contact with uh, Dr. Rachel Geller, who also partners here at the Community Cats Podcast with our Surrender Prevention Certification Workshop Program that we have. And so it seems like there's a lot of um, feline behavior resources that are necessary. Do most people in Hong Kong, are cats mostly indoor cats or do you have community cat colonies out there? Do you do TNR? Is that something that's that's uh, present in, in Hong Kong? Okay, so uh, a few things. Um, well, first of all, um, there's, it, there's a few types. So one is strictly indoors because we live in apartments. It's pretty impossible to have an indoor slash outdoor cat. That would be bad news because that means somebody's cat just flew out of the window. So that's not that's not it. The second type are shop cats. I think I kind of touched on it before. So these are the shop bosses where they spend their whole life in the shop greeting customers and they literally live there. But they're kind of indoor-outdoor in a way because a lot of these shops don't have doors and they just kind of help themselves, right? And those are pretty good. Like in Hong Kong, it's a weird culture, but it just somehow works and the cats find their way is that they come back, they know what the office hour or the shop hours are, and they usually come back before the shop closes. So they know that they can lock up with the cat inside for the night. And same thing when they open, they go out for a day and then they come back. It, it's kind of weird, but it's really cool. It's, if anybody ever comes to Hong Kong, I would strongly recommend you check out our shop cat culture. Just look into most of the Chinese medicine shops. You're, you're guaranteed to almost find one. And um, what's the third? what's the third thing that you mentioned? Are there are there colonies of cats like out there that people feed going around and you know feeding stations and shelters and that kind of thing? <laughs> a lot, um, but we kind of have to do it under the table because there are still kind of the cat abusers and the cat haters out there. So we sometimes have to go out during like you know wee hours of the night and just make sure that we kind of take everything. We can't leave the stations out. It's very hard unless. Somebody is willing to, I, I've seen one, um, actually a few, where people are willing to climb up very, very high to like the ledge of a building where it's not seen, but that's not that common. Generally, people feed, they stay around, and then they pick up after, and then they leave because it, because they don't want to draw too much attention, right? Which I guess is good in a way for safety. And um, oh yeah, and the other one that you mentioned, yes, yeah, I've been working on something that's called Mellow Cats Expert Chat. And I go around interviewing people around the world, all the people that I know and all of my personal connections and the good professionals that I know that's in the field, including you here on the next episode. So very excited about that. Um, yeah, that's what I've been up to. Well, that's in incredible and very interesting. The one topic that is sort of a hot topic in the United States has been the perception of folks that take care of um, community cats groups of yeah. cats that are outdoors and the perceptions about, you know, what are the people like that take care of those kinds of cats, right? 
And then also, what are the rights of those cats that are out there? And and how do we sort of elevate the status of those cats and, and appreciate that they exist, acknowledge that they need access to spay neuter with an, you know, an ultimate goal that we reduce the population size, you know, through True. spay neuter. We've talked yeah. about the fact that in Hong Kong, there are mobile spay neuter clinics and sort of this concept in the U.S. access to care is mm. a little bit different in Hong Kong. Would you be willing to share like what? How hard is it for you to get access to, to veterinary services and is it affordable or not? Okay, well, um, before I answer that, so Hong Kong is not not that big. So in each of our um, districts, basically they have their group of volunteers that's responsible for each district already. So for example, if somebody found a cat, it's quite easy to find who's the responsible organization or who's the responsible group. But to answer your previous question is most of the spay and neuter for, um, for the cats outside, you know, the community cats, it's free. We have things like mobile spay and neuter clinics from SPCA, which I think they've been on hold since the pandemic for a little bit. They're going through a little bit of a revamp, but traditionally it's it's been around for decades. And what happens is that you could book an appointment online and there's a schedule when that mobile truck is going to be. So you just basically have to book when it's in your area. And I think they, they used to do some when you can just kind of go in and just kind of walk in. But I don't know if they still have that. But And that's absolutely, yeah, either really affordable or free. I can't remember because I can't remember what was the last time I used it. But it's, it's something that everybody can afford for sure. And um, there's another one called uh, NPV, Nonprofit Veterinary Clinic, where they do it absolutely free. Uh, you can just walk in. Give them any any animal you find out there. They could they could take care of it, and it's not just for a spay and neuter. It's for other animals as well. So, the, for what I know, people just have to pay for the first day of that animal, and then everything is free after, assuming that they're in a condition that's quite you know, critical or dangerous. That is not just something mm. you know, for funsies. Um, yeah, and even for a lot of the individual. Rescuer groups, and when I say individual, a lot of them aren't even official NGOs, and they have free programs where people can get their animals treated or spay and neutered, don't have to pay a dime. Wow. Yeah. Do you know if, if that, that's been an ongoing tradition, or is that something yeah. new within the last, you know, 10 years or it's, so? It's, it's always, it's been, always been around. It's, it's yeah. always been around. I think it's just like a growing thing, at least. I mean, I've been back in Hong Kong for what? 12 years and mm. uh yeah it was it was around when i was here and you i remember even before that when i came back to visit when i was a teenager they had that as well but of course it's getting a lot more popular now do you feel that the number of cats in hong kong or the number of cats needing rehoming is something that is at a baseline level or is it growing do you feel you know additional pressures or just sort of you're always you're treading water um, well, that's a good question. I would have to say it's kind of like a two-part question. So if it in terms of community cats, I think we're doing pretty good at keeping it under control because if you go out and you see the cats out there, it's very uncommon that you see one without the ears too. It's very, very uncommon unless you're like, I don't know, like in the mountain or something, right? Um, but since COVID, I personally have helped rehome, oh gosh, probably close to 200 cats and dogs, just because um, a lot of people are feeling the anxiety, either the perceived pressure of, of, you know, finances or, you know, the market crashing or possibly crashing. 
or just I think just stress overall. And a lot of people are immigrating. So I've dealt with a lot of cases where people just leave their animals the day that they fly out of the country. You just call it a day. Yeah, I think that's more common because in Hong Kong, a cat parenting well, ownership to some is still pretty much like a luxury thing. And for some, it's kind of like a vanity thing. So yeah, you see a lot of pet abandonment here. When it's not in trend, when it's not convenient, yeah, they just they just get rid of them. So you see a lot of pedigreed cats and dogs in the shelter. Hmm. You talked about earlier about cats getting along with each other, sort of these feline behavior issues. One thing that I think is tremendously awesome, and we don't have you know your camera showing on the podcast, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna describe the fact that uh, Mellow Cat's apartment is has basically every cat situation taken care of in a very small space. But one of her cool tools is a multi-level litter box system that she has. And and we've actually asked Melody to put together a, a short video, which we will probably have up before this podcast release. So check the podcast page, the YouTube page, because we'll have it you know up on there about her multi-level litter box system and, and how to create one in your own home environment. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got the idea and how does it work? I mean, is it successful? Do the cats all use the litter box or have you had failures? <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. Um, so before I start, let me give you a little bit of background information why I kind of had to defy gravity to make it because a lot of people would, if they've ever seen my setup, they would be uh, like, oh, either they say it's very cool or they say, oh, you are supposed to stack them up like that and put them all in the same place because that would be against the rule. But okay, first of all, space in Hong Kong, we're a vertical city. So everything goes up. If people have seen my apartment, it's like a cat cafe. We have the uh, the cat superhighway. I think that's what people call it. It's on all of the walls, vertically, horizontally, diagonally. They can climb up like flying ninjas. And uh, it's kind of the same with my litter box setup. So the way it's, it is, is because I have 10 cats. I have 11 litter boxes. I have one in the, um, in the bathroom as well. But the, the 10 right here, what happens is that I have an, an assortment. So the ones that have no lids are the ones on the bottom. And you can kind of walk from litter box one to four just right across without any obstruction. So if a cat was to get freaked out, they could literally just leap across and just exit in multiple ways. And whereas the second level are the top loaders. So they're not the traditional litter box with the lid that you can remove, but there's like a giant circle on top. So it is a lid, but at the same time, it's not really a lid because the hole is so big. Those ones are good for the younger cats that don't have any joint problems and they feel okay jumping up and down those. And I have one lidded, yeah, one lidded litter box for um, two cats who happen to really like them. So to answer your question, yes, it works really well, but it's not by accident. So over the years, I've learned which cats are the ones that get along with one another. A lot of people would say it's N plus one, but from my experience and a lot of the houses that I consult for, it's the number of groups plus one. But then the, the thing is, what's the number of groups? So I always tell my clients, so for example, if you have like your BFFs, right? Say so you have two BFFs, they, get, they come to your house, you're happy to let them use your ensuite bathroom, no problem. But if the plumber is coming over, you're not going to let them use your ensuite bathroom. So therefore you and your two BFFs, you, you, all of you are a group. 
right? And whereas the plumber is the outside guy. So that's two groups. So technically speaking, it's two. If plumber is the, the only person that ever will set foot in your house other than your BFF, then technically you need two plus one if we're using that example. So over the years, I learned which ones are the loner cats and which ones are the besties. And I'm like, okay, so I kind of have an idea about who wants to share what uh, or who wants to share and who doesn't want to share. And then you kind of work out whose preference is for what, like who likes the lidded one, not lidded one. And with some sort of mental math, you're like, okay, eventually I need this number of this and this number of that. So despite the fact that I have 11 litter boxes, um, if I want to shrink it down to seven, it's still okay. Do you need expert help taming feral kittens for adoption? Watch the Taming Feral Kittens and Cats full-length workshop video now available for free on the Urban Cat League YouTube channel. Go to youtube.com and search Urban Cat League to see all of their videos to benefit community cats. Do you want to make things easier on yourself and the others in your organization? Our friends at Dubert have teamed up with the Dallas Pets Alive and Spay-Neuter Network teams, and together they have created the Companion Case Management Module. It allows you to be more proactive with all your organization's needs. Create cases for your clients and organize them by type. Whether it is a rehoming situation, a pet parent needing food or medical assistance, or simply spay and neuter inquiries, CCM can help you manage all of them right from the Dubert system. Plus, a huge bonus, it allows you to connect with those clients right from the case so there is no need to open up new windows for emails or pull out your phone for text messages. Check it out and learn more at www.dubert.com to get started today. Ever wanted to quickly connect, collaborate, or problem solve with others in the animal welfare field who are, you know, real people? Look no further than Maddie's Pet Forum. Maddie's Pet Forum brings people of animal welfare together with the common goal to keep more people and pets together. We share ideas, expertise, offer each other support, resources, and more. Visit forum.maddiespetforum.org slash cats. Maddie's Pet Forum. Come for an answer. Stay for the community. And how long do you feel like you can be out of the house for a period of time without having anybody come in and do anything for the cats? Or, I mean, I, I would assume if you're there, you're scooping, you know, as needed, right? Or, yeah. you know, but if you're out of the house, do you have a time frame that you're limited to? I've tried it before. So other than, you know, when there's times that I need to feed a medicine, if something happened to one of my cats, if that's out of the question, I think the longest I can do is two and a half days. That is, is pretty good because I have automatic feeders and I have some water fountains. I have some water dishes. And then I have one that is kind of like, a drip, you know, the filter that is right next to your faucet. And I kind of leave it dripping and there's a there's a thing that kind of catches the water, but it can overflow and go into the sink if they want. So that would be the freshest source of water in case all else fails. And and they love that. They love playing with the water too. And the automatic feeders, if if I keep the air con at home up, there wouldn't be a problem with the food getting soggy. The only problem is I couldn't feed them wet food for a couple of days, but I don't think that's going to be the end of the world. But scooping wise, I can last for two and a half days. But generally, I like to scoop twice a day. And I just have my my pet sitters over because my besties live with, within half a kilometer. We pet sit each other's house. Sounds good. And that's ideal, certainly. We don't want to have the cats left you know, alone for a super long period of time. But also oh, definitely good, not. Good, good to know. Um, and, you know, I was uh, thinking more like, you know, 
being off at the office for, you know, a 10, 12 hour period or something like that. But it sounds like this whole environment would work out perfectly fine for that. And there's five uh, cat kennels at home. So I always know what's happening from multiple angles. Yeah, but it, it works really well. But I try not to leave home for two and a half days without people coming in. At, at least, I mean, if I'm away for more than 18 hours, I would ask my pet sitters to come over. And just in case, because you you never know, especially in Hong Kong, we have high voltage. We use 240 watts mm. of electricity. Mm. So sometimes it's just nice to know that maybe there's no freak accident or whatnot. So yeah, like just come in, you know, check out things. But I could see most of my webcam anyway, but just in case. So coming up in October, you have an event that you've been planning for quite a while. Tell me a little bit about that event. Ah, correct. So that event, um, I've been planning for quite some time. I'm, I actually started last month in the development phase. It's a hybrid event. It's going to be like a two-part. So while one part of the hall has an adoption day that's happening, which we're working with the NGO and the individual rescuers in Hong Kong, the other side is basically like a full conference that runs from approximately noon to 7 p.m. And it has uh, expert sharings, workshops, NGO sharings. We got celebrity sharings. And we also have other how-tos, the fun stuff in there. And uh, yeah, it's just to help everybody get equipped to becoming better cat parents. Yeah, it's, it's very exciting. And it's hybrid. So Everybody around the world can come watch or even delay live. You're invited as well. Everyone's invited. Excellent. And, you know, one thing that we talk a lot about here in the United States is the differences between how our society looks at cats and dogs in somewhat of a different light. Do you feel that that also happens in Hong Kong or are, you know, this we call this sort of the status of, of cats versus the status of dogs? Do you feel that that's sort of equal or... The balance is different. Huh, that's a that's a very good question. From a pet perspective, I think in Hong Kong, it's not so much which pet. It's they people think of cat people as being one type of people and dog people as being another type of people. It's almost like they don't overlap. And when you talk to people, um, there's always that segregation. They're like, oh yeah, you like cats, therefore you don't like dogs, right? I'm like, what? <laughs> hear that all the time so it's not so much the the animal itself it's it's the person that they think and i always jokingly you know tell them um if you have a daughter does that mean you hate your son (laughs) right Right? so i I think that's a pretty cute comeback (laughs) yeah just make people laugh yeah so in in here in the states with veterinary care the primary driver revenues in a veterinary practice is dogs you know fewer people take their cats to the vet cats have fewer visits for whatever reason you know i I'm with all the people that struggle to get their cats in a carrier. So I, I totally, you know, I understand that. But also there are folks that feel like, you know, well, once the cat is spayed or neutered and has a vaccine, you don't need to bring it in for an annual checkup. And so um, a lot of our veterinary practices, at least I have a, a feeling, you know, they they cater, they lean towards the the dog market because that's where their revenues are coming into their practice. And, um, but it sounds like it's not necessarily, you know, that way in Hong Kong. It sounds like there's, it's a different, like the little bit, the folks that are getting these, you're talking about purebred cats or fancy, you know, fancy specific breed cats. I'm assuming they're going to the veterinarian and getting, you know, their annual checkups and that kind of thing, even, even before they go away. 
now you're hesitating. So to share with me <laughs> what you true. think is happening. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay. So what you mentioned, um, so from the vet perspective, it is kind of true in Hong Kong too. They said that cats get less medical attention than dogs because they're masters at hiding pain. Yeah. It's just that people don't know it. So I spent so much time just educating people. I'm like, yeah, just because they don't show it doesn't mean like, I'm like, just because your son or daughter is not clingy doesn't mean they don't need to be loved, right? So it's, it's not fair. Um, but to answer that part of your question, the accessories and the goodies and the gimmicky things, although some uh, how how useful and how good some of these accessories are questionable, but that market seems to be pretty big in Hong Kong because Hong Kong is small, right? Not everybody can have a, have a dog in a decent size apartment. So I believe um, there's, as, a, as of after COVID, there's more cat owners than dog owners in Hong Kong. So the, and, and because they always see the picture where people like, so Instagram friendly, people take, you know, the clothes, the, the wardrobes, and then all these, all, all these uh, kikaruis. So they buy a lot of these things for cats. Rather or not, they should is another thing, but there's a lot of gimmicky things that you can buy for a cat. I think it's a, a lot more than dogs um, in, in that sense. But for the food, for the adverts, I think it's still the, the dog stuff. But sorry, what was your previous question? Well, my question was was definitely focusing on the thought about you were talking about how a lot of like purebred cats are ending up getting, you know, coming into the adoption system. Um, and you know, these are cats that have, you know, cost these folks some money. Um, and basically, it's not necessarily the case that they are also, you know, having the veterinary practices have a 50-50 revenue stream, cats and and dogs. So it, it, there still are some challenges. And, you know, one of those challenges may be just that the, the veterinary practice is not set up in an environment that is welcoming to cats, right? Um, there's a movement called Fear Free, Fear Free Veterinary Practices that, you know, address the needs of cats so that then the visit to the vet's offices, the veterinarian's practice is not as traumatic as it may have been. Um, there are lots of challenges of having a vet practice where there are cats and dogs in the same space. Huge challenges, I think. Oh, and so the, I see you're looking at, a, you got a kitty in the background there? Actually, I'm going to go grab him. I'm going to show you. Just hold on. Okay. Oh, the reason why I had to do that was because I know the audience can't see the visual, but I just want you to have um, an idea. I don't know if you even see this type of cat before. Is it Abyssinian? Not at all. He's a Cornish Rex. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he's an extremely rare breed here in Hong Kong. Extremely rare. And to answer your question, the reason why I needed to grab him was he was one of those on-trend people have to go on a wait list, pay thousands thousands of dollars just to get a purebred of this cat. That's predisposed to have IBD. Yep. So his previous um, owner basically had his uh, run of fun for 13 months, just dropped him uh, with his birth certificate and everything at my friend shop and said, oh, have fun with the cat. Like we caught the guy. And it's not uncommon you see someone like that. And they say it as if they're doing you a favor. And I'm like, why are you doing us a favor? You just abandoned your pet. Mm. Like, oh, well, it's a very expensive breed. Do you know how much I paid for this cat? I'm like, well, that's so expensive. Then why are you abandoning? And I was like, oh, it's because he's pooping water. It's so the guy who abandoned him was willing to pay literally 10,000 US for this cat, but is not willing to spend a few hundred dollars to get him treated 
because it's too much trouble. That's what it's. So it's yeah. basically a fun toy that if it's inconvenient for them, they just drop them like that. Mm. And it turned out, you know, IBD, um, it's it's troublesome, but yeah, you can do stuff about it. Yeah, nothing that love, patience, time, effort can't fix. So he's he's here. I can't even get him adopted. Just to, just a side note, I I thought it would be so easy to get a rare breed uh, adopted out because it's a he, right? And he's already is it spayed or neutered for cat? neutered uh, for neuter neuter. Always get them mixed up. So he's neutered, and I thought, oh, you know, there's no risk. But I didn't spread the news to many people. But then my phone started ringing. They're like. Oh, Miss Guan, do you have a purebred Cornish rags? I'm like, how did you know? It's like, fret not. We're going to come picking up right now. Don't worry. We're going to come in 20 minutes. I'm like, wait. Uh, I didn't say I was going to give him to you. It's like, who are you? And he's like, oh, don't don't worry. He's He's got a birth certificate. I'm like, yeah, purebred. Yeah. It's like, we're coming right now. So it turned out his, I hate this term, but people say it. His secondhand value was at about 3000 US dollars at the time. So people think that they can resell him and just get free cash like that. Yeah. Yeah. So to answer your question, it's not it's not the same here. It's yeah. when they're luxury items like that, it's a blessing and a sin. You would think that they would be lavish with the world's health care, but if they see them as a toy, not all of them are so fortunate. Of course, some are, but it depends. Yeah. If they see them as a as a toy, it's defective, right. it's gone. Well, I ran into the guy who uh, abandoned him. He he just bought some new cats that don't no. seem to have diarrhea. Our world does look at our companion animals as property and not as a human entity as part of our, our family culture. Um, Is that the law in the States, right? Yeah. Uh, pets yeah, are considered yeah, property, right? Yeah. Uh, in some states, the value of a cat is $35 US. What? Yeah. So, so if, that's the compensation if somebody that, ran your if cat some, over? If someone ran it, yep. Or if you accuse someone of stealing their cat and getting them spayed and neutered and ear tipped and then the cat comes home ear tipped you know and so you've named them or whatever i mean at minimum at maximum it's a 35 dollar cost and so i mean that's not worth anybody's time to go to court over so it's <sighs> i know and, and 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 so in it's pretty much for cats it's pretty much like that all around the country for dogs there are some different state by state rules and i am not an attorney so don't quote me on all of this but <laughs> there are definitely for better or for worse the value of our companion animals is considered pretty low in in the united states at this point in time but um well, cat if yeah. folks are interested in finding out more about what you're doing where should they follow you Ah, there's a few places. So on YouTube, just type in Mellowcat, M-E-L-O-C-A-T. So it's one word. It's literally melody and cat combined into one word. So that's my channel. On IG and Facebook, you can find Mellowcat Mom. Uh, that's me as well. And if you're in, or you can just go to mellowcat.com and you can find everything on there. Also, I recently created Hong Kong Cat Directory. So it's for cat people to look for an updated directory of vets that's in town and looking for the expert chats that I was talking about so we can learn from the experts. That's that's all that website does is two things, preventative and not so preventative stuff. It is pretty intuitive. Excellent. Wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Yeah, actually, there's one project that I worked on lately and I thought it was quite uplifting and inspiring. Maybe I'll end on that. 
So lately I started a social experiment just because I, I had this debate with one, one of my really good friends and we were talking about what do you think would happen if we do a social experiment where 100% of what everybody put into an envelope is transparent, like a ledger, kind of, kind of like Bitcoin, like a ledger, but except for it's a video ledger. So you film every penny that goes in and out of it. And whenever it's spent on a cat in need or an animal in need, then you have to do it the old school way and scribble it on a notebook and say, hey, $5 went to this. Or when somebody gave you a quarter, then you literally have to film them putting it in. Um, I started with a dime, that which is uh, the smallest denomination in Hong Kong. And I just asked for a dime. I'm like, okay, you know, this video is going to continue uh, as long as there's money in the envelope. So I just told my friends about it. And guess how much I'm at? After uh, four weeks now. I, oh, I couldn't even guess. I don't know. Take a wild guess. It started at a dime. I know. <laughs> I, I, it's about $500. I don't know. It uh, just passed the 4,000 mark. <gasps> Excellent. That Congratulations. Crazy? That's great. It is crazy. So because I just, because I always rescue out of pocket, which is not a problem, but I was hoping to help more people in my community mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because some of the rescuers in my community, they can't, they have to, they want to do it, but they can't do it out of pocket. So I tell myself, you know, when I reach like 10, like uh, 10,000, which is actually not that far, I'm just going to start helping them pay for some of their vet, vet bills. Great. Yeah, so it's just a fun video journey for people to watch. And guess who's the first beneficiary? It was yesterday. It's a rootin chicken that oh, we should have found on the side of the road. Uh, for the audience that's listening, I don't, I didn't know what a rootin chicken was until yesterday. It's the world's smallest chicken. It's a cross between a partridge and a quail. And it's illegal in Hong Kong to actually have. Um, and yet, um, yeah, we found one on the side of the road that seemed to have fallen out of nowhere. Wow. You've got something going on every every moment of the day. <laughs> every, I know every time I talk to you, there's always like a bunch of stuff that happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mel Cat, I want to thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And I know for sure. And I hope we'll have you on again in the future. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Stacey, for having me on. Have a great one. Everyone stay well. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think, and a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening, and thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats. Bye.